Hey everybody, Brad Stevens here, founder and CEO of Outsource Access. We help companies redefine how they scale with offshore affordable staff from the Philippines. Congrats to all fellow winners of the 2023 Real Leaders Impact Awards. We are proud to be among you. About 10 years ago, I woke up to a major growth problem in my last business. Cash was tight, staff was overwhelmed, and tasks were not getting done. Then I discovered the world of offshore virtual staff in the Philippines where English is their second language, so there is no communication or culture gap. I realized outsourcing wasn't just call centers, it was access to college-educated Filipinos to support sales, marketing, operations, customer service, bookkeeping, personal tasks, and more. And in fact, the first woman I hired in the Philippines at 23 is now an award-winning COO of our entire company. It inspired me to launch Outsource Access. One client and YPO member, Ali Jamal, shared their offshore virtual staff Edison automated processes and saved them over 50,000 per year in the first few weeks. It's about finally getting things done and staff focusing on higher value activities. We've grown by over 2,000% in just three and a half years and will double next year. To receive a complimentary outsourcing playbook customized for your industry and to connect with one of our team here at Outsource Access, just visit RedefineScale.com. That's RedefineScale.com or text the word SCALE to 770-954-8440. Two months after hiring my first staff, she sent me a picture of shoes she bought for low-income children because of the opportunity. And now we support thousands of families and the environment with United Nations SDG projects. I'm proud we've grown with impact. To learn more, visit RedefineScale.com. Boom, what up? Hello, bonjour, and hola, real leaders. This is Kevin Edwards, your host here, and I am so excited. You're tuning in to one of our amazing experiences. What you're about to hear is going to be fresh, real, and loaded with inspiration, guaranteed to support your impact journey. So sit back, enjoy the listen, folks share a review afterward, and always keep it real. Five, four, three, two, and one. Welcome everyone to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ellers and joining us today, folks, we've got a good one. We got the president and CEO of Jeremiah Program. Please give a warm welcome to Miss Chastity. Lord Chastity, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing, Kevin? I am doing terrific. Now that I'm speaking with you and and someone who's uh, got to spend a little time in my homeland in Crater Lake yes. and Cannon Beach, and I thought that was kind of an interesting factoid and the backstory of what you were doing, but. Yep. Curious to learn and kind of start this, kick this episode off with the story of how you fell into this role mm-hmm. at Jeremiah program. So when I ask you that question, Jesse, like what, what resonates with you? How'd you fall into this? Great. First and foremost, Kevin, thanks so much for the invitation. A huge fan of your work, huge fan of the, the, um, the podcast uh, and your engagement and the space that you create for leaders to be in conversation with their greatness. And so thank you so much. Um, my story about JP is actually, um, it's personal, uh, slightly vulnerable, and it's really interesting, is that I um, heard about JP through a, uh, an executive recruiter. Um, but what really caught me um, was that I'm a first-generation college graduate. I grew up lower income, um, all the things. And I have um, you know lived a life that I love to say my mother, my grandmother couldn't have dreamed for me because they didn't know anyone like me. And what got me around Jeremiah program that we lovingly call JP is one, where we're located, Kevin. 
uh, if you're going to shift systems, if we're going to kind of identify a proof point, um, it's really important that it's reflective of America. And the fact that JP is located in Fargo as well as Brooklyn, New York, we're really onto something across our nine um, cities. I love the fact that we were just laser focused. We weren't trying to boil the ocean. We wake up thinking about single moms with small kids, um, living at the financial margins in pursuit of economic mobility through education. Uh, and that also was very uh, attractive. And the personal vulnerable part is, you know, I was raised by a single parent and so much around what she was told is to put her head down and bet on um, her children. I'm the middle of three girls and we all went on to do uh, really incredible things. But I think about Kevin, imagine if, just imagine if my mom had been able to pick her head up simultaneously been able to bet on herself as well as her children, what would have actually happened? Good, bad, or indifferent, the most profound person in a child's life is that person they wake up and sit at that breakfast table with. And too often we take folks out of the equation and we lose a generation that way. And so that's some of the things that really got me excited about JP systems change, being able to stand up a proof point that is reflective of America so that we can actually shift written and written rules into something that allows um, that two generation framework to exist that a mom, because a great mom will always choose her kid um, to not have to make that choice, to be able to better on herself, to reimagine what's possible for herself, her family, and the role she actually plays in her community. It's a powerful message, powerful story, and I guess an admirable uh, career path you've chosen for yourself. And Certainly one that's not easy, right? A system is change. It takes a long time. You know, it takes a long time, a lot of effort, a lot of action. Uh, help me understand, especially for listeners, listening to this for the first time, you know, myself and many others who had single moms, like what is that enlarged problem, you know, that's out there that you've discovered and how, how are you going about it? So there's a couple of things. One of the things is you're absolutely right, Kevin. It is uh, it's a huge um, issue. It's a, in 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 a lot of ways it sits at the nexus of generational poverty. And so there's a couple of things I will highlight for you illustratively when we talk about system change. If you think about um, a heart attack, and you just bear with me, I didn't go to medical school, but you know I've watched enough Grey's Anatomy, right? And so when you think about a heart attack, when someone has a heart attack, the physician uses defibrillator, EKG, all the things to stabilize the patient. But you know what happens pretty immediately, Kevin? They actually start to engage with the root cause. They start to engage with that patient. What do you do professionally? What are your stresses? What are your diet? Because they understand they're in the business of simultaneously stabilizing the patient, but also preventing the next heart attack. And a lot of ways how we're organized as an organization, Jeremiah program, is we're understanding the day-to-day -day reality of the do, our core program, our five pillars, our backup childcare, early childhood, our college access, our coaching, our mental health, our 529 programs. But we also understand the fostering, building this empower, this incredible network of current and former JP moms, this alumni, where they almost weave their own safety net because economic mobility, Kevin, I, I know, as you know, is not a sprint. It really is a marathon. The degree matters, the house matters, the jobs matter, but so much around moving on is around moving from chapter to chapter. And how do you keep a group of moms proximate to each other and organization as life happens? 
Um, and so the fostering is a huge part of it. And the last piece is around the influence and the public policy and the change that plays in there. But just in 2023, Kevin, we will support uh, a little under 2,000 moms and kids. 87% um, of our moms are persisting in college. Um, the average JP mom is about 29 years of age. Do we have some teenage moms? Yes. But the truth of the matter is our country doesn't bet on grown women. And relationships don't work out all the time. And we oftentimes kind of have this image around what a single parent is. It's a relationship that uh, typically didn't work out. And we don't have structures and systems in this country. Birth to three is the most incredible, important year of a child's life. It's where the development of a child. And we have no federal or state mandated um, protection or support for that time frame. Um, you know, whether it's childcare, whether it's healthcare, any of those parental leave. And so really what happens is a mom falls through that uh, gap in a pretty big way. A single parent with small kid living at the financial margins, it's just exacerbated in this really kind of big way. Um, and so that's the, the overarching premise of um, JP really centering and creating a world where JP mom who's interested in economic mobility, interested in betting on herself and her family, has an opportunity to step into a world that sees all of her identities and allows her to um, bet on herself uh, in pursuit of that college degree for the job, but also as she's moving through the different chapters of her life. Incredible. And, and it seems like, you know, there's some stages and, and mothers are at different stages and which to your point example it's a very complex issue that mm -hmm. you're, you're really trying to solve and this is like world-class problem solving and you you mentioned five pillars yeah. um, that you guys serve what are those five pillars and how did those come about so the five pillars of you know jp jeremiah program has been around for 25 years it is our secret sauce it really is this holistic two-generational framework. And so, and I keep kind of belaboring this two-generation because so many times there's programs, Kevin, that work with kids, but I don't wanna talk about you know, the parent or they work with parents, but they don't wanna talk about the kids. And so we really do see the full identity of that family unit in a very kind of clear way. And so there is um, coaching, and so one-on-one -on -one coaching that happens every other week around and aligning around a mom's vision for her life and really bringing her back to that constantly and consistently. There's early childhood and child care um, support, whether that's our child development centers where moms are able to put their kids in child care or backup child care services that allow moms to have supplemental uh, child care as they take evening classes, et cetera. There's housing we have. Um, two and three bedroom housing units in five of our nine locations. Uh, in addition to that, we also support around affordable housing, helping identify um, housing opportunities uh, for moms in some of our high rent uh, locations. Um, there is college access. And so really making sure that a mom has an opportunity to matriculate, but also persist. A lot of folks go back to school, but don't complete. And we know the implications of that, the student loans, the debt without the, the ROI that the degree actually um, poses in a, a clear way. And the, the last and final is around sisterhood. It really is around fostering that network. Once again, not just to the organization, but to each other. You know, I went to business school. When you go to medical school, I did. And I talked about Grey's Anatomy. I did not. Uh, 
uh, or law school, what do they do? They put you in cohorts, Kevin, because they understand the value proposition. They start to talk about the alumni network pretty immediately because part of the power of that investment is around the larger ROI. And that's ultimately what we're also doing um, at JP is that as moms move through the different chapters of their life, being able to be a voice and a proof point for those who are just beginning the journey, but really reimagining um, this new network, this new sisterhood that really engages around the currency of being a great mom. I love that. And I like the thinking, the two generational approach and you know, as you transition, you know, out of poverty and out of this situation with the help of JP and and your own, um, you know, ambition, um, you know, giving back to others, supporting others to bring them along. I, I just, it's a great, great way to live and, um, you know, an inspiring program. And, and I'm just curious though, like mm-hmm. in your experience, is there a story that comes to mind when it's been a mother that's really, really impacted you? Like you think about a story or someone that you maybe built a relationship with that like, you know, this is, this validates like why we're doing that work. Is there a story that comes to, to your mind when I ask you that question? Hmm. There's two. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to talk about a current mom and I'm going to talk about uh, alum. And uh, um, a current mom, I was, uh, I was in Austin and I was talking to this mom and she came up to me and she says, hey, Chastity, I just want to say thank you. And I said, you're welcome, but is there anything in particular you want to thank me for? And she really talked about the shame. She really talked about the shame that is often associated with um, folks living on the financial margins, folks uh, living in poverty. And she goes, I love the way that and how the language uh, JP uses around um, a JP mom. You know, I was uh, engaged. I was a business owner and I was pregnant. We moved to Austin from um, my town um, because um, we were going to open this um, business. Something happened. The relationship didn't work out. I wasn't near any of my support network because we'd moved and I'm pregnant with my first child. She goes, that is life. And this whole idea of the difference between me and anyone else was just my safety net. I didn't have anything to hold me during a time where um, you know, the most expensive time to have a child is that birth to three. And so one of the things I love about that story, Kevin, is um, the proximity. A person's able to see and hear themselves. Life happens all the time. You know, Kevin, I say, you know, you get a speeding ticket, you get a boot on your car, I'm projecting, you know, they're after me. Um, or, uh, or, you know, you find out there's a, you know, a flood um, or something happening with the boiler. You, you're frustrated. You might have a conversation with your spouse. You know, maybe you post something on social media. You have a glass of wine, but you know what you do? You pay the ticket. But those are the things that really can complete cause somebody to off ramp. Because if you don't have the money, you know what happens, Kevin? It doubles. And so, and then it becomes this really cascading implication. There's this great line from James Baldwin. He says, um, anyone's been poor in America understands how expensive it is to be poor, how expensive it is to be poor. And it's the financial margins and it's the absence of the, the, uh, the grace that we have uh, around structures and systems in this country, especially those who are uh, in charge of that uh, first generation. And so that's one current. The uh, alum story is uh, we do this competition every year. We do this annual summit. Imagine 400 moms coming together 
once again, moving through the different chapters of their Powerful. life, alumni, right? Uh, in conversation around topics and questions that they have to ask themselves, they didn't know to ask five years, seven years from now. Um, just really building this network. And we have uh, something that we call Spark Tank. It's a play on Shark Tank. And it's really around a competition around ideas. And um, the winner this year is a alum who came up with this idea around a um, third shift childcare center. Because when she was growing up, she was um, a child of someone that worked third shift. And those are like kind of that eight to midnight uh, fill in the blank. And that is a shift in our country for uh, lots of different industries. How many childcare frameworks are there for that? And so she spent a lot of time at home alone, very unsafe, very. And so she has this um, uh, this uh, vision of creating a childcare center specifically around that third shift worker, that evening childcare that holds a group of folks in this country who oftentimes are overlooked, unseen, and uh, not prioritized. And so that's an example of putting a someone who is proximate to an issue an opportunity to move from gratitude to agency, to be able to ideate solutions that pull back into that next generation in a really clear way. And so that's, you know, JP moms, I say all the time, I will bet on a mom any day. I will definitely bet on a mom uh, living at the financial margins, the ingenuity, the perseverance, the grit that it takes to show up so powerfully in the absence of structures and systems. It's, um, it's daunting. Um, and, you know, me and my spouse, we have an eight-year-old second grade. Well, he would love to say he's a third grader. He's uh, going to be a third grader in the fall. And, you know, our systems are just fragile and we have resources. And I'm always humbled by what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to not be seen, heard, and centered um, in a way that compromises your ability to take care of a child? Um, it's not around doing more. It's just around just baseline um, belief that a child is sick, shouldn't a parent be able to stay home with a child? There's no federally mandated sick leave. Kids get sick. What do you do? You don't get paid. And then all these other things. But yes, so those are two illustrative stories that talk about the, um, the pedestrian nature of who a JP mom can be and how when life happens and life happens, the difference is in our safety net. And the second one is really around the, the importance of investing in um, our future innovation, our future um, business leaders, idea generators in this really powerful way. It's interesting. And Chastity, do you think that business owners today and leaders today do a good job of that? I mean, do you think that they are understanding of the challenges single moms have while raising a kid, let alone just mothers in general raising a kid? Do you think that they have proper safety nets set up? And do you think that they're investing into their, you know, employees who are mothers um, more than maybe others like men who don't have to deal with the, the, the issue? Uh, some don't, uh, but for yeah. generalizing here, yeah. um, you know, for the most part, you know, don't have to deal with the um, difficult challenges and burdens of everything that you just mentioned. Do you think that that's well known and understood in today, today's day and age? You know, you know, Kevin is challenging as the past four years have been, and I would actually anticipate probably the next four. They've been super acute, but um, what we know to be true in history is that uh, crisis is the, um, is the mother of innovation. 
And one of the things that has come out of the pandemic, just very, very clear, is the role of um, the blue collar and um, gig worker in that whole economy. There's a level of humility around teaching that uh, folks were just uh, brought to their knees around. What does it mean to educate a child day in, day out, that whole virtualization? Um, I think it really has awakened this debate around remote work, non-remote work. The whole idea that we used to get up every day and um, be out of the house by seven, eight o'clock, um, you know, drop the kids off, go and work. Some of us would be working 10, 15 hours or whatever, and you get back, you do dinner, and you do it all over again. Um, it's really been disrupted. Will it Will it stay what it was? No, but we've really started to reimagine a new way to um, to look at um, balancing work and life in a different way. I think the pandemic has created a new way to explore, a uh, way to be a high-performing company, a high-performing organization, high-performing leaders that have um, you know, folks have had to negotiate and balance out an old paradigm that won't come back. I think we are also still uh, trying to understand why certain roles um, don't get the same level of um, support and investment as others. You know, teaching disproportionately is held by women. You know, our childcare workers, early childcare, disproportionately held by women, 80 something percent of um, black and brown women, almost for our childcare workers or early childcare living at um, the financial margins. You know, candidly, Kevin, if the, those jobs were held by men, I think we would see a shift and the calibration of that. And so I say all that to say, uh, we definitely are seeing some momentum come out of the pandemic. Uh, it's important for us as leaders, for those who um, engage with budgets, engage with PLs, you know, they say they're moral documents. I think they really are moral documents. What are we doing to ensure that men, that women who choose to be caretakers for elderly parents, for children, have the ability to do that? This whole idea that it's a no-sum game, it's a very pre-pandemic um, framework. And I'm hopeful that this next generation will continue to reimagine and create spaces for people to show up more powerfully, holistically in their lives. Um, because it's not a nice to have, we're just better, we're better when the canvases of our lives include um, time and space for those we love. And I go hard, but I think both can be true. Absolutely, well, well thanks for coming on the show and standing for something important. Chastity, appreciate your time here. Um, on that notion of leadership, and before we ask this question, a big shout out to all the mothers listening to this episode today. Always want to give a quick shout out to to the ones who, um, you know, make our worlds possible. When it comes to leadership, Chastity, mm -hmm. what is your definition of a real leader? I think one of the most salient themes that run through my definition of leadership, Kevin, is someone who's wedded to being effective and not right. Um, I think when you are wedded to being right, you actually lose the uh, opportunity to enlist, align, and ultimately kind of move toward a goal. And so when I talk about right versus effective, Kevin, just think about playing catch, right? 
And so when you're playing catch, if I'm wedded to playing catch, I have to pay attention to whether or not you can catch the fastball. If I don't want to play catch, I can just throw it. But if I'm interested in playing catch and having something come back and forth, I'm equally as concerned and in, in, in involved in what you have the ability to do as you need to be with me. And I think so much about leadership is enlisting and aligning people around a goal and the way that you do that is being wedded to being effective. What is required in this moment? What is required of this person across from you to be able to list them around the larger goal, the larger revolution? I love that. Folks, we got the best leaders in the world on this program here today for Chassis Lord. I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, be effective and not right in all ways. <laughs> Keep it real. Thanks, Chassie. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it. Bye, everyone. Hey, Releaders, thanks again for listening to this amazing episode. And if you're someone like me who goes all the way to the end just to make sure I can extract as much information, education, and inspiration out of every single interview, might I suggest you check out our magazine. If you go online to Realtors.com today, you're going to get the first 30 days for free where you're going to be able to access all of our magazines courses, and live events from some of the top thought leaders around the world. All you have to do is go online to realleaders.com and click the subscribe button in the top right corner to get your free 30-day trial right now. Again, that's real-leaders.com. Thanks again for being a real leader and always keep it real.